The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. It's good to see you today. Um, We had an incredible week of camp. I'm wearing this shirt today, man, because uh, Corey... Well, first of all, happy Father's Day. Amen? Happy Father's Day. Hope you enjoyed the kolaches. But uh, anyway, I'm wearing this shirt today, man, because Corey designed it. I think this is the coolest shirt ever, and I want to, I want to, like, appreciate Corey. Corey's like, man, first of all, happy Father's Day, Corey. Is is this your first Father's Day or second? Uh, First one. Uh, And so I wanted to just encourage Corey and tell him how much we appreciate him. He played a role uh, out front for quite a while, was a worship leader in between um, our past worship pastor and and Sean uh, coming to us. Did a great job, but Corey's one of those guys that kind of plays uh, the role behind the scenes, and he's like a pillar in the church, man, holds things up, um, takes care of the website, all of the digital communication, designing logos, just does a lot of great stuff, and a lot of times you don't get to see him or, or see him up front like you do myself and Shay and Molly, and and um, just want to appreciate and love on Corey a little bit and tell you that, man, we think you're all right, bro. <laughs> uh, so today, man, we're, um, we're back in uh, the letters. And so like, um, we had like 40, I don't know, something like 40 people at, at camps, 40, maybe 40 plus. And I, uh, I was the, the camp chef. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And usually my mom goes, and uh, and uh, my uh, my wife Abby, she goes, and they're a big help. Uh, I didn't realize how much help they were until they weren't there. Uh, <laughs> and so I did have Micah. He Micah was playing the keys today. He's like, I, I want to go as a sponsor, like learn how to do this a little bit. And so Micah went. <laughs> Micah was great, man. He. I, I told the campers this there, like on day one and two, he beat me out of bed. Day three, he did not beat me out of bed. <laughs> and um, he would do all of the dishes after breakfast, some of the dishes after lunch, and none of the dishes after supper. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brackets, you got some work to do, man. Yeah, I got to work. No, he did a great job. I, I wanted him to go down and have fun with the kids, but I'm, I mean, I'm tired. I called Shay yesterday, and I was like, man, you think we could get some kids to give some testimonies or something? I'm like, I'm beat, man. I couldn't pull myself off the chair, and I just decided, no, we're going we're gonna to stay in this uh, series, Apocalypse, which is an optimistic um, vision that God gives a prophet of how he's going to work out uh, the events of the end times in human history. So we've been studying through these letters, and then we get in chapter 4 here in a few weeks, and we'll really break into a lot of, um, a lot of uh, prophecy about the future, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I've never taught through that portion of it, but we've been working through these letters, and uh, today we're in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. There may be a typo in your little worship folder. It says 1 through 12, but it's actually 7 through 13 that we're looking at. I think the scripture is right, just the reference is wrong. And we're looking at this church uh, called the Church of Philadelphia. It was founded, um, this city was founded by the citizens of Pergamum, which we looked at the, uh, uh, that church a few weeks ago. And this was an interesting city because it was uh, recognized as the gateway 
to the east. And so it was established as a missionary outpost, not a missionary outpost as far as uh, for Christianity, but for Hellenism and the Greek culture. And so they were trying to take the Greek culture to what they would classify as the barbarians outside of that region. And so it was a very strategically located um, city. And it was a city of wide influence. There was a postal road that ran through all of the, the different um, cities, and it actually ran through this one particularly and carried information uh, and it served as a vehicle of communication between the different people groups that lived in these different regions. And one thing that was interesting about it in AD 17, it was rocked by a powerful earthquake. And it just destroyed the city, and it, it destroyed a lot of the uh, cities in the region, really. And it, uh, the only thing that le was left remaining were the pillars of some of the buildings. I mean, it just flattened stuff. And it had frequent aftershocks after this. And these aftershocks made it a nerve-wracking place to live. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of psychological scars on the people who lived there. And when these things would happen, man, it would just freak them out. And uh, a lot of them uh, would leave at the slightest tremor. They were like, I can't, I can't go through that again. And many of the people moved to rural areas after this and just sort of lived outside the city. And so the world kind of viewed this city as an unsafe place. And people thought, man, only a rash person would live there. And they believed that it was founded by fools just because of uh, just, just, it was just a risky place to live in. And what's interesting about this church is out of the seven churches that receive a message from the Lord that was given to John through uh, Jesus visiting him in this um, divine vision, um, it was the strongest of the seven, but it was also the smallest of the seven. And so our church is not a large church, and certainly it's, it's the largest it's ever been at this point in time. And when we, when we first started, when I first started here, it was a tiny, tiny church. Wondered if even it would make it, and uh, knew the Lord had a plan, and He certainly has, has been using this ministry, and I think it's only beginning. But what's, what's really encouraging is it was the strongest of the seven, though it was the smallest. And so when we look at this church, and, and as I read this passage of Scripture, this letter that Jesus gives to this church. Remember, these letters are for um, every church and every age for all time, okay? So that applies specifically to us, and it applies to you as a believer. There are things to take away from what Jesus says to this church, and they are meant to be an encouragement to the church, a warning to the church throughout um, until Jesus does actually return, and he speaks of his return in this particular message. And this, this one doesn't have a, uh, you know, most of the letters have a, uh, they condemn something the church is doing. This one surprisingly doesn't. And so in light of a gateway of great opportunity, Jesus says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Now, this is one of my favorite, this is, no, this is my favorite letter to the churches. And it's because of this part of the passage right here. It says, he who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of a synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. 
Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to, to test the inhabitants of the earth. And that's speaking of how bad things will get right prior to the return of Christ. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will you leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so there's a lot in there. I love that part about um, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And I use that uh, passage anytime that I'm, I'm looking at a new opportunity. And that's the first takeaway um, from today's message is opportunity is a special gift from the Lord. Man, it's just a special thing. The Lord presents an opportunity in front of us. And even when I was thinking about coming to this church, um, and they were talking to me about it, and I was in prayer and what it would mean for my family to move, you know, to, to sell out in Oklahoma and move up here to um, a place we didn't know anything about. One of the things I would pray over is, Lord, you open the door that no one can shut and shut the door that no one can open. And so, Lord, if this is an opportunity you want me to take advantage of, you want me to be a part of, then keep the door wide open and make it clear to me the door is wide open. And if it's not, then close that door. And so over the years, I have constant, uh, consistently prayed that prayer about all kinds of different things, and the Lord would just open up a doorway of opportunity for me to do um, different types of ministry things. And so it doesn't just apply to, um, well, a pastor going to a church. It's everything, man. It could be a door of opportunity. The Lord has opened up a door of opportunity for a, a career change for you, maybe an investment opportunity, anything that, that might have implications for the kingdom. And that's, if you're following the Lord Jesus, that's anything you're a part of because you are the church. And so the Lord is, is concerned about that. And, he's, he, and so we look at these opportunities. Um, these open doors are a promise uh, for opportunities, and they're special because it depicts a freedom to proclaim the gospel. And so we don't always mean by proclaiming the gospel that you're preaching a sermon, but you always are preaching a sermon by the way that you live your life. And, and so like the Lord comes and he talks to this church and he says, man, there, there is an incredible opportunity ahead of you. And Paul often talked about um, doors being open to minister the gospel to people. He says this in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9. He says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. And so there's always opposition that happens with an opportunity as well. There's always people who are coming against and opposing you in what the Lord is creating for an opportunity. But like you can recognize when a door of opportunity has been opened up to you. He also says in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open up a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And so we see um, that, that the Lord is the one who opens doors and shuts them. And so like, that's a way, man, you need, to, you need to learn how to pray a prayer like that, that the Lord would open up a door of opportunity for you to, like your relationships are so important, who you have relationships with, who you spend your time with. And, and we, 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 can be, we can be really selfish as people. 
Um, we can start to spend our time with people we enjoy spending our time with, and then we just spend our time, all of our time with them for the rest of our lives. And we never do capitalize on any opportunities to build relationships with new people and that could be an opportunity that is a gateway for the gospel. And so we need to be praying that the Lord would open a door of opportunity for us to build new relationships with new people that we could connect with them and we could share with them how the gospel has moved in our lives and brought about transformation and how it too can move in their lives. And that's the way the gospel moves. It always moves from person to person. And so like when we're, we're thinking of this, what I love about this church um, is that it is, it is a special opportunity. I remember when they first contacted me, and I, again, Abby and I were in a sort of a holding pattern in ministry, not at a church at that time, just waiting, praying, fasting about the Lord opening a door that no one could shut and closing the doors that no one could open. And so that's, that was our heart's prayer. And we didn't know anything about Overland Park, Kansas. Um, I'd heard about it. I think I'd been to Kansas City one time for some type of a convention and, and drove through. So didn't, didn't know. I, I saw the Overland Park Convention Center when I drove through. That's all I knew about Kansas City, right? Or Overland Park. And uh, so they called and we specifically were praying about, we, wanted, we, we knew the Lord was calling us into a more of a suburban area. And so like they called, man, and, and uh, the guys, he was actually the pastor. He said, man, I'm going to be stepping away from this place. And he said, I heard you weren't at a church. I think you'd be a great fit. Would you, would you be interested in coming up and taking a look? And I was like, sure, man. Like, I'm, I'm asking the Lord what he wants me to do. So I look, I look at anything. And so uh, from that, I pulled up Google Maps and saw the church building. And, and, and then I zoomed out and saw the homes. And I was like, whoa, like what an opportunity. The church had zero debt. Um, I was like, what an opportunity. It's strategically located on the main thoroughfare of the city. Like 100,000 cars drive by the place every day. And I thought, man, what an incredible opportunity. And the people were hungry for leadership and vision. And so like, I love this church because I believe it is an open tour door for the gospel. And especially in our day and age, I think we have a unique ministry where we teach the word, man. We teach the word. We don't compromise the word. We teach from the Bible. We're not going to give you some kind of topical message. And I'm not like trying to run down churches for what they're doing. But I feel like what is wrong with our culture in America today is that the, there's a lot of spiritual ignorance. And by that, I'm, I don't mean that. that like, I, just, I mean, yeah, I mean that. People don't know what the Bible teaches, right? Like they just don't know. And, and you teach them something from the Word, and, and they're like, whoa, I, di I didn't know that was in there. And that, the lights come on for them, and, and the Word is truth, and it's what brings about the transformation that can happen in our lives. And so like, I, I look at this, and I go, man, the Lord, this church was originally founded in 1875, organized in 1925. Um, Built a building down the road about a quarter of a mile that was Llewellyn's. I talked about that last week. Built this building in 1974. The church has been here for a long time. The church was here well before Overland Park was here. And so like, but it's still here. And so I look at it and I go, man, the Lord wants to do something. Like he, he has a special, <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, Interestingly, the, the, the church has tried to close on a number of times, not really tried to close, but it has been close to closing. Um, and I, I think this verse applies to it. 
what door the Lord opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And this, is, this church is a, a special opportunity to do something special because of where it is located. If you were going to plan a church and, uh, in, you know, in this area, and basically that's what we came and did. We kind of revitalized the church, closed it down, restarted it. And if you were going to do it, there's no way you could own a, a couple of acres in this particular... Like this, the property alone, as we started this project, the property lo- alone appraised at well over $2 million dollars okay? Debt-free. And so, like, if we look at that, you could never, as a church plant, grab a hold of this piece of property unless somebody with a significant amount of cash was bankrolling it, and usually they want to see that something's going to happen before they bankroll something, right? Investors, even in the kingdom, want to know that, like, I'm going to put my dollars after something that's going to be successful. And so, I, like, it's, it's, it's really amazing this unique opportunity that we have to be a ministry that stands on the Word of God, that teaches the Word of God, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. And so like, we're not a church where um, we're just about, well, we want to make sure that you have some community, and, and we, we don't have a giant small group. We don't have a small group ministry, guys. You want to know why? Because the Lord has called us to make disciples that make disciples. So we have a discipleship ministry, and our focus is solely right, like we're zeroed in on that because we believe it is a strategic opportunity for the gospel to move from this place in a very powerful way. And the Lord has been getting us ready for the last 10 years for what he's about to do in the next 10 years. And I think it's going to be incredible because the the gospel moves from person to person. And so we want to have a powerful worship ministry. We want to have a powerful teaching ministry. But above and beyond even the youth ministry and the kids ministry, we want to have a powerful ministry of the word moving into the hearts of people. That's what the culture needs because that corrects spiritual ignorance. People need to know when it comes to how do I raise my kids? They don't need to know what some book says. They need to know what this book says. When it comes to loving your wife, you don't need to know what some latest book is on marriage and how to be a great husband. You need to know what the Lord said. You want to be a great uh, husband or wife? It's right here in the Word. And the more you know of the Word, the better father you're going to be, the better wife you're going to be, the better um, um, uh, the better. Husband, I knew I was missing one. And kids, like kids, man. Your kids need to be in the Word, amen? And you'd, you'd see, if you, the more you get in the Word, the less I'd have to tell you to take out the trash. It's just the truth. Because you would start to discover these promises that are written in the Word, that when you honor your father and mother, and you, you are walking and following hard after the Lord, and you see this stuff, you're like, man, the Lord will work in my life if I will walk in obedience. And so that's what our church is about. And we make no apologies about it, is, is that, man, we feel like a specific call to reach this community, which I think is incredibly influential not just with a salvation message, but a message of surrendering your entire life. Everything about you, that you are investing in the kingdom. And I think that even strategically what we can do for the kingdom, because of how the Lord has blessed people financially and where this church is located, I think is absolutely amazing to think about the possibilities of what are ahead of us. And so I look at this church and I see that a man, th- this is the kind of church uh, that they dreamed of reaching people. 
And we must be the kind of people that are looking for and recognizing when God opens the door. Okay, so I think it's important for us, like for me as a, a minister who's responsible for leading and casting vision uh, for the body, my role is, is, is to be in relationship with you guys, to be in the word and be talking to the Lord and cast a vision in a large way uh, about what, what the Lord wants to do for a, a, with us in a ministry. But we need to have a, a vision of the Lord opening doors on a daily basis, not just this, this large thing, go, well, do we, do we start this grandiose thing? No, it's like, do we do something? Like, has the Lord opened up a door of opportunity? And so let me give you an illustration of how that would look. And so I was um, recently, um, this last week, I was, I was at the stores, a very poor community um, where this, this camp is located kind of in the foothills of Arkansas. It's in Oklahoma, but they spill over. People are in this part of Oklahoma, and they're like, I didn't know Oklahoma was so pretty. pretty. I said, this is the only part that's pretty. <laughs> and so, uh, so anyway, um, the, so the, the, it's, you know, Tallahena, Oklahoma, no industry or anything there. Um, you're either uh, a tree farmer or you got oil or you're broke, and most of the people are broke. And so I was, at this, they, I was at this little butcher shop store picking up some stuff, and they were ringing me out, and a gentleman came up to me. And, and again, I'm telling this story um, for how you recognize a door, an, an opportunity the Lord is opening up. So this gentleman walks up to me, and he's got an oxygen machine, and he puts a, a carton of ice cream down. And then he goes back over to the counter, and I, I, when, he, when he put that down, I noticed he had a veteran's hat on, and, and I could just feel, man, the Lord was just kind of nudging me. He needed to buy that guy's ice cream. And so I was like, okay, like, this is on the church bill anyway, so for sure I'll buy that guy's ice cream. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so anyway, yeah. Um, so he goes over and... And I, I'm like waiting on him, like they're ringing, I'm getting closer to being rung up, and I tell the guy, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this guy's stuff too. Well, right after the Lord told me that, the guy left, and he went to get some more stuff. He's carrying his little oxygen thing, and he comes up, and he has, a, he has some uh, Polish sausage, some Eskridge Farm, um, what do they call it, Polska kielbasa, and he puts it on the counter. And I asked him, because the Lord was, man, the Lord was really rolling now. I could recognize the opportunity. I said, is that your dinner tonight? And he said... I, I hope so. And I said, well, I think tonight you should eat ribeye. And so I could see the meat counter was right there. And I said, why don't you get you one of them ribeyes out there? And he said, you buying? I said, no, but Jesus is. <laughs> so he was like, are you serious? I said, yeah. And then so he, they, he wouldn't go over and get a steak. I said, go over and get this guy's steak. And, so, and, and then so he said, are you a veteran? I said, no, I'm a pastor. And the Lord told me to buy your, your food today. And I, he said, the Lord provides. And so he thought I was just going to buy a mistake, but I bought everything. And so like, here's the thing. The only thing I want you to hear from that is the Lord is doing stuff like that all the time. The Lord will do stuff like to prompt you to do something for your neighbors, do something that you play, uh, your kids play ball with different people. Those are opportunities. They're, they're doorways that the Lord opens a door that no one can shut. 
And he shuts a door that no one can open. And so the gospel moves from person to person. It's good news of transformation. And this church was all about that, man. And he wanted, the Lord wanted him to know, man, I've got you right where I want you. And you're right, even though other people think you're crazy for living there, you're right where you need to be. And the gospel is going to move from that place. And that's the kind of people, if we're going to see the Lord really move, We've all got to be kind of living that out in the power of the Lord. Here's the second takeaway. Spiritual power is always produced out of weakness, okay? This is a weak church. The church had a powerful impact on the city, and it appeared to be weak because it was small. But despite its size, it just flowed with spiritual power. The spiritual power of the Lord was just flowing through this place. And, and so when, when we look at this, weakness is an ad, a, advantage because what it does is it forces us to have faith in God. Um, when you have all the resources you need, it's easy to leave God out. That's why the scripture says it's easier for uh, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so the disciples were like, what? You mean rich people can't go to heaven? He says, no, all things are possible with the Lord. What he was teaching was, is that when you have everything you need to provide for yourself, it can be more difficult to rely on the Lord. And when you don't have as much, it's easier to rely on the Lord because you don't have as much. And so it forces you that way. And so there are weaknesses that we all have, um, whether we have wealth or not, we don't have a, a tremendous amount of wealth. We have weaknesses. We have weaknesses in our confidence. We have weaknesses um, in, in just all kinds of things that we face in life. As a matter of fact, when we disciple people, um, what we do is we walk with them for a while. We teach them how to, like, how to take the word and and we call it eating the word, which is basically how do you read the word, unpack it, and make an application to yourself? How do you just like read it and not get confused by it, but get empowered by it? So we teach all these things, and we teach how to sit with the Lord, teach you how to talk to the Lord, and teach you how to really walk in obedience. And then there comes a time when we release you. Um, and we'll be, we, I recently re released a group of ladies that... Um, I'd been walking with, Abby and I had been walking with for a while, and, and we release you to go make disciples. And when people are released, they're terrified of this. Like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know, I don't know if, if, like, the reason they have such a hard time with it is because you're weak. And, and that's the very thing that makes you good at it, okay? We all feel that way. The first time you ever have to teach uh, anything from the Word and lead a group of people in the Word, it's overwhelming. Like, it is just an overwhelming experience that you think, I don't know if I could do this, and then the Lord shows up, and you walk away going, I can't believe the Lord did that. Even this morning, as I was preparing, man, I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm exhausted. I, I don't feel like preaching today. I don't know if I could preach today, and I need your help uh, and, and I thought today was going to be a really short sermon, and then here the Lord shows up, and I don't know if y'all ever get out of here. <laughs> and so it is in weakness that the Lord shows up, okay? And so, like, you look at that and go, well, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. You can't do that. This is what we tell people. You cannot do it. And the more you think that you can't, the more powerful you can be, because the more you're going to rely on the Lord and ask him to do what you could never do in your own power. And, and so here we, we look at this, and, and Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. Listen to how he talks about weaknesses. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
My grace is sufficient for you. Um, Oh, I lost my place. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, like these areas that we can identify in our lives that we feel weak in, that's the very areas that the power of the Lord will show up the most. If we will what? Walk by faith. So if weakness puts us in a place where we're not willing to be obedient, we'll never see the power of the Lord. But if weakness, in spite of our weakness, we step out in faith and obedience and we take a risk, then a doorway of opportunity is open for the gospel. This power of the Lord starts to pour through us and we see the kingdom advanced. And so those of you who've been recently released um, to go and make disciples and you're, and you're nervous about it, Man, you need to just be sitting with the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't even know what to do. Like, would you show me what to do? I know that I've been equipped and just lead me in this and you will see in those weaknesses, the Lord will show up. He will start to form the relationships and it will just begin to happen. Why? Because it is his kingdom. He cares about it. You're a citizen of his kingdom that's walking in obedience and in your weakness, then he is sure to get the glory. And that's how the work of the kingdom um, is supposed to be advanced. And so this church teaches us to delight in weaknesses because they're powerful. And um, they, these, these believers in particular were marked by obedience in spite of weakness. And when you obey, obey in your weakness and you mix obedience and, and faith and a weakness together, you become a dangerous person in the world. And by that, what do, you, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that the power of the Lord starts to be channeled through you and God uses you as a conduit of transformation because the Holy Spirit is poured through you. And so you may be stuck today and you may be going, why, why am I struggling in this area? Why does it seem like God is not doing, I've been talking to the Lord about answering this prayer for a long time. Maybe the problem is you're not listening to what the Lord has asked you to step into obedience with. Maybe you've been talking too much and haven't listened enough. And when you start to listen and you hear the Lord say, man, you need to be walking this obedience out in your life. I share a story um, about a, a few weeks ago, I preached, our, as we were closing out the Minor Prophets, I think it was, I preached out of Malachi and I, I preached on tithing, how the Lord calls us to tithe. And uh, this is so funny. I love this story. Um, and so Jonah, I told my boys, man, they, they, I, I got them. I helped them get a forerunner. They had it a week. We got an incredible deal on it. The Lord showed up in our weakness and provided for us. We had it a week and Joel totaled it. But the Lord was faithful and the insurance provided and we got more than we paid for it. And I told them, boys, I said, man, if you guys would just start honoring the Lord with your first fruits, you're making money now. If you'd honor the Lord with your first fruits, he would help you in some of these things. And so Jonah comes in yesterday and he tells me, he said, this is a, this is a proud dad moment. This is for Father's Day. He says, hey, dad, you know, you know when you, ta you ta taught that sermon not too long ago about um, tithing? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, when you preached that sermon, I started doing that. And he said, I didn't hardly have any money at the time. And I started doing that. 
And he said, now I've just got jobs coming to me all over the place. And today, or yesterday, he, we got back from camp, or camp um, on Friday. He had to go and mow. He had picked up a yard right down the street. And so he walks over there with the mower and the, the blower and stuff, mows the yard. And he's walking back, and a guy literally traces him down the street and says, hey, can you mow my grass too? And I said, it is the Lord, man. He's taking care of you. All right? And so like when we walk in obedience, the Lord just honors it, man. You, you can't outgive him. And so I was, I was so encouraged to hear him uh, talk about how his, his faith was being rewarded. And, and, and what he did is in his weakness is thinking, man, I don't, I don't hardly have any money and I'm going to honor the Lord with a portion of it. What he's learned is that he's walking out his obedience in his weakness and he's become a dangerous person in the kingdom and he's learned a principle that will shape the rest of his life. And so like that, the Lord, that's why we got to be in the word is because the Lord is teaching us things like that all the time about all areas of our lives that he wants us to be obedient in. And so this church um, was experiencing transformation and redemption, um, and that is the gospel just moving. And here's the third uh, and final takeaway. The Philadelphian church dared to dream the impossible. They dared to dream of sharing the gospel. This was the mission of the church that was planted there. They dared to dream of sharing the gospel with the entire Roman Empire. And that's why people thought they were crazy when they moved there. And although they were the smallest of the churches, they lasted for centuries, even after religion or the region was overrun by Muslims, there was still believers there. And even to this day in the same area where this church existed, there are believers that exist in that area. And so these, these, these believers serve as our model of, of discipleship and evangelism. This is what it looks like to walk this out. And we are to live out our faith in a in daily word and action to our neighbors across the street and the neighbors across the world. And, and, and the more we understand, this is, again, this is why discipleship is so important and walking with people is because if I preach a sermon like this and you get encouraged by it, it can have an impact on you. You can walk out with some obedience and you will get some movement in your life. And, and that can happen. But if you're walking with a group of people, man, and they're helping you and, and you're doing life together, you will just, you will move at such a faster clip and you will see the kingdom being played out in your life in more powerful ways. And so uh, they, they were told because of their faith, even some of their enemies would be redeemed. This little part here about um, those who are the synagogue of Satan who think that they are Jews, but they are liars. What is that about? Well, the most hostile people the early believers faced were the Jewish. When we say Jewish, we don't mean race. We mean the religion of Judaism. Is the people, the Judaizers who rejected Jesus as Messiah were some of the most violent oppressors of the early church. And the Lord said to them, I will make those people who are denying that I'm the Messiah come and bow and acknowledge that I am the Messiah in front of you. And, and we see that, man. People in the kingdom, some of the craziest things happen that, that people we feel are so far gone are the ones that end up coming to the Lord and the Lord does a work in their lives and they do so much for the kingdom. And, and, and we know at the end of time that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And this teaches us that no one is too far gone. So you might have a, a, a friend or a, a loved one that you're like, man, they're 
I'm getting so much movement in the Lord. They're, they, they can't stand the Lord, and it feels like there's no hope for them. What do you do in a situation like that? Do you keep trying to talk to them about the Word and the Bible? No. You put them on a whiteboard, and you just cover them in prayer until the Lord starts to move, and he opens the door that is shut. The door that is shut, you should not be trying to deliver the gospel in a place where the door has been shut. You should pray that the Lord opens the door and then let the gospel come out. And it will just come out, man, and it's fun. It's fun to do it when the Lord opens the door. So we don't do it in these, but it's still a little nerve-wracking, but we do it and we see a movement of of the Lord happen, and no one is too far gone. So here's the big idea, and I'll I'll quit. Hey, man, I got two weeks in a row I'm doing by 11. You guys should be encouraged. That's a little bit too encouraged. (laughs) Here's the big idea. Dream the impossible. Dream the impossible. Um, Verses 12 and 13, look at this. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down. um, Oh, I skipped a part. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. And the Lord is saying to them, I will make you a pillar. And what he's saying to us is, um, if we will grab a hold of that, is that... um, he will make us into that as a ministry. And it's so cool, the building project's going on right now. And what they've done is they've dug down these holes and they're t- doing soil compaction tests right now. And they're trying to figure out, you know, exactly what they need to do. It's with the engineer and everything before they can pour the footings. And those footings are going to hold all the pillars uh, of this um, structure that we're building and this cross ultimately that goes out front. And, and so, like, it's so important that the work that happens that you can't see to support everything that you can see. And the Lord is saying, um, man, I, I really believe this about this church, is that um, it's going to be a pillar in this community. Like, the things that we are going to do in the next 20 years, the Lord willing, I think I can go that long. I'm fi- maybe 15 years for me. I don't know. I'm committed. I just don't know if I'll live that long. Uh, so, but we, we look at that man and you go, the Lord is going to do something special in the next couple of decades in this place. And, we, and, and he wants to make us a pillar. That's like the, the culture's so confused. You see, we go, well, we, 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 what about these churches, man? They're, they're, they don't seem to teach the truth of the word like we do. That's always been the case. Um, there's always been opposition to the truth of the word of God. And so like the Lord raises up and he fixes, like when a church is committed to that, that one thing, teach, teaching the truth of the word and walking out that obedience, the Lord will establish that ministry in the community. And that's what he's doing with us. And as this, this cross goes up, because I'm telling you, man, people don't know we're here. They just don't know we're here. But they're going to know in a couple of months. Like, it's, we're no longer, like, all this battle we fight. Where will you go to church? Well, I go here. There's a church there. Yeah, it's right next to Anytime Fitness. Huh. You'd be saying, that church with the giant cool cross. Okay, and people are going to be, they're going to, they're going to come, and the Lord is going to bring them, and we're going to disciple them, and we're going to make disciples that make disciples, and we're going to send them out 
to make disciples that make disciples. And we're going to see something incredible happen over the next um, 20 years. And so Christ opened a door at Philadelphia because he knew it, be, it would be used. Okay? And the Lord called me here. And he secured this ground with the people that were here. And he brought all of this together and the people, the team, the spiritual family that is here. And we're walking out in our obedience because he knew it would be used. And so that's the kind of church you're a part of today. And my encouragement today to you today is to dream the impossible for this ministry. And the way you do that is to pray over it. And the second way is to dream the impossible spiritually for yourself. And if it's happening in you, it's happening at OPCC. And what's not happening in you is not happening at OPCC. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and just talk to the Lord for a moment about what it means to dream the impossible today. What does that look like for you as a believer? If you've never made a profession of faith and you'd like to meet the Lord today, man, I'm always available to talk about that um, today, anytime throughout the week. Uh, if you've got questions, you want to talk more about discipleship, we could talk about that. Just know that, man, the Lord, when he starts to do a work in you, let him do his work. Um, be receptive to it and follow hard after him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you, as Lord of the universe, you open doors that no one can shut, and you close doors that no one can open. And Lord, we believe we have an open door before us as a ministry, and we thank you for how you've flung it wide open. And we pray that you would help us to walk in obedience to the things you've called us to so that we could see the gospel travel in ways that we've never seen before. We love you. We thank you for the truth of your word, and we pray these things in the powerful name of Christ, and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.